Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and this episode of the podcast was a lot of fun. It was me, my brother Nick, and Mike DeZormo chit-chatting about all kinds of stuff. We started with interest rates and talked about U.S. debt, which kind of gets me fired up. I know it's a little ridiculous, but it does. Um, and then we went into housing trends in Toronto and the GTA. Mike shared a bunch of stories on what he's seeing in the local markets right now, price movements, um, offers on properties. Um, we talked about cash flow and then just what's happening in the middle class. So we kind of covered a lot of topics in a short amount of time. Um, and listen, before we jump in, I just want to share with you, if you are listening to this and you're trying to to figure out how real estate investing may play a role in your financial future. You can get free digital copies of any of the books that we've put together over the years. The more pop most popular one is definitely Income for Life for Canadians. And that's available. You can get a free copy of it at rockstarinnercircle.com. So if you listen to this podcast and you're like, well, guys, I don't even know. How am I going to get started with this real estate invest investing nonsense? Or I have my doubts. I've, been, I've heard crazy stuff about real estate and buying properties. And you want to just get a bit more information before you make any kind of decision. Decision, you can get a free copy of that book, Income for Life for Canadians, at this URL, rockstarinnercircle.com. Um, we actually have three different books you can download there, um, but the most popular one has definitely been, been Income for Life for Canadians, so that you can download that book um, and get started and check out some of the stuff that we're talking about. And with that, enjoy the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Mike, you're good? Testing. One, two, three. Nick, you're good? Testing. One, two, oh, three. Oh, God. Okay, we are live, and uh, look, w uh, interest rates is what comes up a lot, and uh, I think in Canada we're under this kind of belief that, you know, interest rates are going up, and uh, one time this year, maybe two times this year, I know the Fed, what month are we, October, they're supposed to announce again in December that they're going to uh, raise their interest rates. Historically, Canada always follows, but here's, here's something I just... And I don't have the answers to this, but I just I want you guys to kind of just hear this stuff. And I know I know you love it when I go out on debt, my debt rants. Yeah, you. I, this is great. You just jumped right into it. I just feel I feel the passion. Yeah. Okay. Over okay. The good. Because no, listen to like, this. Listen to this. The U.S. debt is at twenty-one trillion dollars. I have the Congressional Budget Office's uh, numbers in front of me, so I went to their website. I got the numbers, and they're saying that starting in two thousand and twenty, so just over a year from now, that if you take all the revenues that they collect, so all from taxes, and then all the money they're going to spend, they're going to be over a trillion dollars a year in annual deficits. So if you spend more than you take in by a trillion dollars and you add that to $21 trillion, they're projecting that by 2028, that's another 10 to $12 trillion. So we're on this path of a trillion dollars at least a year being added to the debt. Now listen to this. Here's the other thing I, I don't understand. So that's already crazy enough, but here's where it really gets messy. In 2019, next year, Social Security and Medicare in the U.S. officially go negative. And this is right from table C2 on the Congressional Budget Office uh, latest report from their website. And they're saying that that's going to be $600 billion a year added to the deficit. And then by 2028, so that's 10 years from today, it will be $1.4 trillion a year that they're going to have short. Now think about this. The other document I just mentioned from the same report says they're going to be a trillion dollars short a year for like 10 years. But just on Social Security and Medicare... 
they're saying they're going to be 1.4 trillion. And the reason I think they, they don't add them together is they're allowed to call this stuff off balance sheet. Meaning, and the only reason I think they're allowed to call that the, the, the off balance sheet liabilities is they might, maybe everybody dies that they have to pay this stuff to, so they don't actually have to pay it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know that sounds ridiculous, so maybe they don't have to pay out that money. So they don't actually account for that in any of their math. But if you add the 1 trillion negative to the 1.4 trillion negative within the next 10 years, that's $2.4 trillion a year. In new debt. Now, here's how it applies to Canada. Look, my- first, something's very important, okay? Before we get into how it applies to Canada. This is all interesting stuff, and I, I, I like to know this stuff. Wait, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Okay, oh, good. Okay, that, that's, good. that's even better. So I like to know this stuff, but what I think I like to know even more is how often do you read the congressional reports that yeah, you're no, just that you're yeah. quoting is this know, like a I daily know. thing you look yeah, at or no no but it just fires me up <laughs> all right so listen how does it this. apply to canada this is how it applies to canada if 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 today and never mind all those numbers we just spoke about but if today the the annual sorry the the total u.s debt is at 21 trillion dollars and interest rates from today rise one percent one percent of 21 trillion dollars is what it's 210 billion dollars the annual deficit in the U.S. today is about $800 billion, which means for every 1% rise, they increase their annual deficit 25%. If interest rates go up 4% in the U.S., they double their deficit. That's just on an interest rate move. So if we have this wave of interest rates going up, but also there are negative in Social Security and Medicare, Medicaid and that kind of stuff, and they're already projecting a trillion dollars, how does all of this come together? Like they're just spending so much money. And, and so so, my, so I have a couple of thoughts around this. Is that How will Canada ever raise interest rates when it doesn't look like to me the U.S. is going to be able to raise their interest rates very far? So then we're in a world of low interest rates for longer than anyone anticipated. And I don't mean that they can't raise interest rates a little bit. They might raise them another half point or full point from today, maybe even a full two percentage points. But are interest rates going to be able to go up to 8%, 10%? No, I don't think they ever can. So then if we're in this world of low rates, what does that do to real estate prices in an area of Toronto? Because the Bank of Canada tends to copy and match what the U.S. does on rates. And that's why, Nick, I want to talk about your trends and that kind of stuff. But before we get there, on top of the low rates, if there's this much debt in the world, how much new bonds are going to have to be issued to finance this debt? And who's going to buy all those bonds? Are they not going to just have to print electronically a lot of money? And won't that kind of flush in some inflation? Like, I don't have the answers. I know. I'm kind of sick of your questions. I want the answers. I know. I know the answer. I know what the summary, I know what the end game is. Buy good assets. Hold on for dear life. But this is stuff fascinates me. I just can't figure it all out. But, uh, but, but if lo- low rates are here for longer, what does that do to real estate prices in Toronto. Like, look at what we're seeing already. Yeah, well, that's what we, yeah, it's exactly what we've seen already. And I guess it depends on how they put the money out there because the way they've put the money out there in the past with such low rates, it was basically like free money to the banks. The banks would take it, invest it in, in some assets that prov- produced little return, and then they could just keep that profit when when they repaid repaid the, the, those loans from the Federal Reserve. So they were able to, to kind of, prop up their balance sheets that way. So it was kind of nice that way because they didn't have to loan it out to anyone. So all the whole thing backfired because there's been no money. Be, well, I mean, it's loosened up a little bit, but the money hasn't been getting into the actual economy. It's just been staying in the financial world from the banks to the stock markets to the banks it to the Fed. That way. Right? So, but... Um, but then, so here, if we have all, if, if, if Canada doesn't raise rates and we don't change then our lending standards, if we still allow down payments of, 
you know, for first time home buyers of 5% and that kind of stuff. Like maybe Canada eventually takes that away and like, forget it. We can't just allow people to buy properties for less than like 20% down right across the board because the real estate's just too crazy. Okay. Or we, like, so, where are we headed to this kind of stuff? Because where are we are? Like, yeah, look so at the this, is, this is, so when we were talking about this last week, uh, you and I, and Mike Tom, Tom said something to me interesting um, when we were talking about different, uh, different rental numbers. Because if you look at some of the numbers, some of the numbers are the people haven't been really paying more in some instances, but they're just paying the same amount that they were willing to pay pay maybe five or ten years ago. They're just getting smaller spaces because of it. And we'll, we'll, we'll come back to an example in a second. But these numbers, when I found them, these these blew me away. Um, in So if you take Oakville as an example, so between 2000, 2006, 2011, the number of low density housing, so like single family detached home housing that was built in Oakville was 47% based on the building permits, 47. Medium was 33 and the high density was, was 20%. So, so that's from 47. If you look at what's, what's supposed to happen now from 2016 to 2041, what the projections are, the low density housing is going to go from 47% down to 27%. Townhomes are going to make up 22%, and apartments are going to make up 51% of the building permits. So what was that? Low density is going from 47 to 27? Yep. And then townhomes are going to go to 22, and apartments 51. They have it broken up as low, medium, and high here, so you don't know what kind of townhomes and if that would fit medium or high. But that's, that's the changes. Those are big shifts, and that's not just happening in Oakville. You can see that happening everywhere. So even in, you know, like there's more condos in, in Toronto. But if you look at the condos in Toronto, they're small. The average condo size has been shrinking over time as well. Do you remember back, you know, years ago when, when, there was, when we looked at square one condos around square one in Mississauga? Those units were like 800, 900, 1100 square feet. They were like these sprawling condo units. Now, you know, the normal starter condos, what, 600 square feet? You're looking at a pretty decent sized one if you're looking at that, you know, depending on the area. So, so the, the, the housing stock that's become available because of the, the, where prices have gone and the acquisition cost of land and the construction costs and all these things because of these low rates, um, the, the housing stock has becoming smaller and smaller to fit more density into, uh, in, sorry, to fit more density is, is one reason, but also for the affordability reason because people can only afford so much because incomes haven't kept up so they'll, they'll be willing to be able to still buy a place to live but it's just going to be smaller because they can't afford the bigger places so people aren't building them they're building what the demand is for demand is where the affordability is and the affordability is in smaller sp spaces can you imagine it, it almost feels like if you own a single family home as a rental property like mike how many people have we helped with single family home rental properties mm -hmm. it feels like that is going to be such a unicorn in like five and ten years because if you go to somebody five and 10 years from now and say, I have an investment property and they're like, well, what do you have? And you're like, well, you know, I got a single family home in Hamilton. And they're like, that's your investment property. Like, I can't even get that as my own primary place of residence. Never mind having that as an investment property. Yeah, you, said you, know Ham I mean? you said Hamilton, maybe. But, but look, it's, it, it, so for some people who think that's crazy, you're saying Hamilton. So maybe it becomes crazy in Hamilton or maybe not. But think about it in Toronto. Think about it in Toronto right now. If you were to say that to people that you had a single family home in Toronto and you rented out. Yeah, so and like that's what I mean. The, the bungalows are 1.1 million. You're like, what are you talking about? You have a, an investment property that's a, a, a single family. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're basically quote unquote rich or you'll be looked that way. You, you know what I mean? Whether you are or not, it's a whole different story. But why are you laughing at that? Uh, could you imagine the conversations? You have a house and you have a backyard where your kids can actually play. It's, it's so true. 
It's ridiculous, right? It sounds ridiculous. A lot of these, yeah, a lot of the new builds are back to back, are stacked, and no, no, no backyards. That's true. Some of the stuff I'm seeing, uh, Nick and Oakfield built, they're townhomes that don't have backyards. They're those stacked townhomes mm-hmm. where the backs are backing on right to each other, right. just yeah. to like cylinder block walls in between the two, in between the backs of the units. Right. Yeah, pretty common builds right now. Well, Mike, you brought that that one to uh, to my attention, to our attention, both really. Um, in it was in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and it was a bungalow. That was what three up, two down. Yep, correct. And, and what were the the rents on uh, it? Nineteen fifty for the main floor, three bed, and then four, fourteen or fourteen. Yeah, I think it was fourteen fifty. Yeah. yeah, for the lower two bedroom, and I have a four level back split on the Stony Creek Mountain. And the entire house I rent out for nineteen fifty. Now, I've had that for I don't know eight years, but now we're seeing similar rents for just th- three bedrooms, main floor of a, a single family home that's been turned into two suites. Yes, yeah, like it, so it's the same thing. Like people were willing to spend that much before, and, and people are just spend, buying the payment. That's that's what it is, yeah. and it's whatever the payment gets you, and the payment gets you less now than it used to be, right? And I mean, things even the payment's gone up slightly, but the payment's gone up slightly. But because incomes haven't kept up with asset prices, then the people, if they're just on the incomes, then they they have to kind of they have to subsidize the increase in asset prices some other way. So the way they've subsidized that is by the shrinking real estate. It's no different than when you go to the grocery store and you buy the cereal box that is now, you know, two thirds the size that it was five years ago. Like, you guys are, well, look, Halloween's coming up, right? Like, you know, when you see the Halloween chocolate bars now, there's you're already buying Halloween chocolate bars. We're eating them. Never mind buying them. My kids are coming (laughs) up to me. Yeah, we don't wait. We have them in our house too. But um, but think, but look at the size of the Halloween chocolate bar. What the size? What size it is now versus Mm -hmm. what it used to be? Same cost or roughly the same cost? Smaller. It's no different with real estate. It's just you don't see it because it moves slowly, right? Are we gonna get to the Mm -hmm. point in one of those closets boxes where there's just nothing in it? Like, you know, it goes from like, it used to be 12, then it was six, then it was three. Now it's just like empty boxes. <laughs> but listen, on the population front, so so demand is here in Ontario because Nick, you I think you shared this at the Your Life, Your Terms event last Saturday, um, that the Ontario's population growth between um, natural growth and immigration, the highest it has in a little while, at 246? 249,000 um 249,000 people. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then housing starts. Am I just, I want to make sure I'm reading right. 249,000 housing starts were 71. I just want to make sure I'm reading housing starts. Is that housing starts? Running total. Yeah. Comparisons. Yeah. I don't know if the bottom line I'm reading on my charts, housing starts. You know if that's what, housing starts what, there? I went to, uh, I want to know the comparison. Now you can't see it either. It says, it says running total completions. Yeah, okay. So completions, completions of units yeah. of some sort. And I don't know if it's a combination of housing and stuff. The, but the point is that we have gross over demand here by population growth and the actual amount of housing completions. This isn't just some theory where we're talking about, oh my gosh, there might be some need for housing. We have like a crisis going on where there's just not enough housing and it's making rents go ballistic right across the Golden Horseshoe. I was at a conference with a couple of developers and they were talking, their numbers they were showing, um, and one Sasha shared these too, that it was about 55,000 demand for about, let's say, call it 50,000. It was just over 50,000. Uh, there's demand for new housing units and they're building about, uh, I thought it was around 30. Like there's a big delta. Maybe it was high 20s in the 20s, whatever. But either way, there's there's a big short. Yeah, so if you're short like 20,000 units a year, 
and that's it's, a and year. It's been, and that's an annual problem. Yeah, and it's been ongoing. It hasn't been one year. Now it can correct. It's, it's been ongoing. It's, that's what's caused a lot of this yeah. stuff. So you have the demand that's gone up like mad in in uh, well the demand that's continued to be strong. And then we Nick we looked at population growth numbers in Ontario. Um, and the population growth numbers, according to the federal government, government of Canada, if you project out from 2018 to 2041, their low, medium, and high projections are all up from here, which means we're going to maintain our levels of immigration into this country. So if we get about 330,000 immigrants into this country, we're getting over 100,000 a year coming into an Ontario. And then if you look at the population growth of Ontario, when you merge together the natural increase with net migration, either from other provinces or, or straight immigration from other countries, we're looking like we're going to be getting in Ontario, according to the, Fed, um, to the Stats Canada's data. The, on the chart here, I can't read the actual specific number, but it looks like it's about 170,000 people a year. Like it wasn't too that long ago we were getting 100,000. What's 170,000 times 10? That's So over the next 10 years, we're getting 1.7 million more people into this area. So we have long-term low rates because they can't raise them really high because of this whole debt problem. And we'll copy whatever the states does. Then on top of the longer-term relatively low rates, even though they might trend up a little bit in the future, we have all this demand coming in here. And then on top of that, we have limited housing supply where we're producing a shortage of like 20,000 units a year. And on top of all that, you have this green belt that goes around the Golden Horseshoe where developers can't build. So we have all these compounding factors together. And I mean this in a weirdly positive way because if you're a real estate investor, it seems to me now's the time to grab something while you can. Am I crazy, Mike? No, I'm with you. I think <laughs> and I'm not saying that, like I know it could be very self-serving because we obviously rockstar real estate, we're a brokerage in the whole bit, but I'm not coming from that point of view. I'm like, this is, this is the time to grab onto something, a good asset while you can, because in 10 years, there might be nothing left to grab onto. Yeah, for sure. And I, as Canadians as well, like, you know, how many people do you know in the States that may have started off in somewhere in California or New York or Texas, and now they're living somewhere else? That doesn't happen too often in, in, in and around the world. Yeah, Golden we have Horse. nowhere like, else How many to Canadian go. friends have you heard, like, went to, like, we all have the odd one. It's like you were born in Toronto and, and now you live in Mississauga. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> or Vancouver. It's not it's like between Toronto and Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're most common, I yeah. think, one way or the other. But they're coming and they're not leaving. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, What are you seeing right now on, uh, you? what are you seeing, like, on rents or property prices? Or what's the yeah. state of just the market from what you're seeing out on the streets? Yeah, property, the rent prices... Are, are aggressive like they they keep going up i was in a property today i love when the tenants are there because then i can get the truth on the property you know uh, how do you like it here any issues uh although i get the numbers from the agents typically before i go in i like to confirm the the actual numbers with the tenants to make sure they're correct and one lady actually laughed at me when i asked her how much are you paying in rent and it was a one bedroom and she says 850 and she laughed and i'm like that's low isn't it she's like yeah i'm like you don't want to leave do you she's like no because for that type of room now, you know, 850 was reasonable about two years ago, but now it'd be 1100 minimum, 12, 1250 easily. So she doesn't want to leave. But yeah, so rents, one bedroom, you're probably looking at about 1000 1100 1200 depending on the condition and location. Two bedroom, 1415 This These are on insane. multi. That's like, we're yeah. talking like 25 to 50% increase in yeah. rents. Yeah, yeah. In, in like two years. Uh, yeah, three bedrooms, 16, 17, 18, all the way up to 19. Um, and But the biggest shift that I've seen, um, especially in nice areas such as Locke, is 
the the transition of uh, the, the the tenants. So describe where that area is for someone in Toronto who has no clue where you're talking about. Yeah, it's just west of the downtown core. It's a very ritzy area. It would be the equivalent of York uh, York uh, Yorkville in Toronto. That's okay. that's Locksmith is Hamilton's uh, uh, Toronto's uh, Yorkdale. But I mean, before you know, a lot of Hamilton was blue collar workers, and blue collar workers, as we know, are some of the hardest working guys we know. But often they're coming home and they're drinking a beer, and then they're throwing on a video game or a game, uh, uh, watching a game on the TV, going into these houses now, because that's the best way to see, you know, who's living in these places. You know, I'm seeing degrees on walls, books, um, just the, the, the okay, tidiness of these, and the, the furniture quality too, like everything's changing, and quickly. Um, that's that's uh, crazy, so you're saying basically in these houses, it's not blue collar anymore, it's white collar with your assuming more income. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you got a lot of, in that particular area, musicians, artists coming in, a lot of downtown chefs opening up restaurants. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's transitioning. Hamilton is transitioning quickly. You know what? And, and, and what, uh, you just came from St. Catharines right now. Yep. Did you not? Any, yeah, yes, would you find yeah. anything out there right now? Uh, or no? a, a decent, very good single family. Um, House has a little more wear and tear than it should. In a neighborhood of five hundred thousand, it's listed for three sixty nine. Okay, so multiple it offers just came up last night. We'll we'll hopefully beat it so that no other offers squeak in. Um, so you're sitting uh, here on the podcast hoping that we end this quickly? No, uh, Sabrina did the offer. Oh, and sent you? it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and are, what about the state of the market? Are you seeing multiple yeah. offers all over the place right now, or no? It's are we now kind of calm? Yeah, it's it's so. D- <sighs> It's the tale of two ends, right? In our market, the starter market, what we're typically looking at, it's it's still aggressive, especially if it's a nice turnkey property. Um, definitely the higher end has softened. That'll definitely see more days on market. A good single family home turnkey, there's, there's just too many buyers out there. So we can get them. There's more inventory coming on because they're not moving as quickly. But the nice thing is they're there to be had now. Jeez. Yeah, before, yeah, a year ago, this yeah, was crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. multiple okay, so offers, have no inspections. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the prices are high. But prices yeah. don't seem to be falling because they seem high, so prices it, aren't falling. It, it depends. It depends, okay. yeah. So There's some, gems out there. Some we, sellers are dropping their prices? Dropping their prices, yeah. We just firmed up on one today. It was originally uh, listed at 480 We got it for 420 just firmed up today okay around the it. corner from another property that i have that's worth 500 okay it's a very similar property. and for perspective that 480 two years ago three years ago would have been how much that property at 480 that was dropped to 420 320 yeah, probably 350 no no in the height of the market right no, no like no, no, a few oh, years two, ago. three years oh, ago probably yeah trying to give uh, everyone yeah, perspective yeah, yeah. Gotcha, so when you gotcha. hear three, that three 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 sixty the reason i'm doing that is because so many people will hear yeah. dropped it and then oh, they go and tell okay. their friends the market's dropping i should correct the, the yeah so i give a bit of a context here it was not priced right from the beginning. It was priced a little too high. Oh, got it. So okay. then they started chasing the market down. These people have already moved out east. They needed to sell this home. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your voice is a little softer today. You're to your rough throat. Yeah, he's okay. thinking. He's wondering if you you're got okay. The, he's wondering if you're they okay. got the house or not. Coffee in the morning. Are you still <laughs> doing the coffee in the morning? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. How much? Uh, one. Uh, one. A, a good size. One. One good size coffee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday, my throat was a little dry. I had some coffee. I hate coffee when my throat's dry. Right. I still did it, though, because I love coffee more than anything. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Okay, gotcha. so for perspective, then, um, that's, that house was listed, uh, when at 420. Now, three years ago, what would that house been worth three years ago? Uh, okay, so, yeah, uh, two years ago, probably 360. Three years ago, 
uh, uh, three twenty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So over Probably. the last three years, up a hundred grand. Yeah. But down That's from right. the peak yeah. about a year ago. Um. Uh. Uh. Th- that would have been the peak. They priced it at the. Oh, peak. they priced it at the like peak, expecting so that, to get like what? four fifty to four eighty range would right. have been at the peak of the market. Correct. Got it. Okay. Correct. Correct. So correct. went from okay. three twenty to four eighty back down to four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So the reason that's maybe, important is yeah. because you just need the perspective. Well, you need the context. So yeah. in three years, yes. if, you know, if three years, if it's if if you look at the that it's gone up a hundred grand, no yeah. one. If you're the yeah. owner of that. Yeah. You're not complaining at those no. rates. Yeah. Of, of, the of worst situation buying at the peak has been some people who bought at the peak from new home builders yeah. and then couldn't get the financing For sure. done yeah. when the appraisals came in lower. Yeah. Right. Like that's been the kind of the hardest situation. It's one of the challenges. I, I yeah. mean, there's lots of benefits to the new home, you know, buying new homes. Like, you, you know, if you can make it work. One of the things that I've always kind of struggled with in my head, I was like, man, I like to get my property sooner and that way it can make money for me sooner now rather than park my money for a couple of years. You know, but I, I get the benefit. Like in an escalating market, people are like, well, I just put the deposit down, it closes, it's automatically worth more. You know, but but for me, I'd rather still get the property now, have it cash flowing for me for two years and then and then do it. Now I realize there's more that's more of an active investor approach because some people don't want yeah, to manage it, that property or whatever, but that's, that's, I prefer that. And it also gives you full control. Like I was just talking to somebody today that uh, their um, daughter bought a property and uh, the, the, uh, it was a, it was a property in Oakville. The new home builder got delayed building it. It was one of those kind of like stacked townhomes that they're doing in Oakville. Now De- uh, developer gets or developer gets delayed. Daughter doesn't want to wait around asks um, to see if the father can get her out of the, the purchase when the father comes and makes the purchase so her she can take off with her boyfriend and buy something that they really want now right because they don't want to wait anymore for this developer to 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 finish the project mm-hmm. and that's kind of the some of the struggle as an investor when you're buying new builds mm-hmm. you never know really when you're going to get it done you don't really know the state of the market like you don't lock up your financing generally until the the time Am I saying that incorrectly? You can't lock in your rate like two years before. The, the bank can't. No, I think. Yeah, you can a, do it like three months. It. I think yeah. it's like three months. Like three or six. More. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say Some, six. But. Six months, something like that. But you're mm-hmm. giving up that control as well because if interest rates do change, like if there is a crisis mm-hmm. and interest rates do temporarily spike up because the bond market goes bananas, you could be faced with interest rates that are really high too. No, but hold mm-hmm. on. We locked in for our new office. We locked in our rate. So we don't close till February. And we locked in our rate a year before. Maybe even slightly think more. We've locked in our rate. Or are we just in that range? No, we've locked it in. I don't think we've locked it in. Uh, no, I know. No, we have. Break out the paperwork. Fight, fight, <laughs> fight, fight. Yeah, no, you think we've locked it no, in? No, I really I don't do. Think we've I really it do. In. Yeah, because yeah, we paid we, more to lock it in. Because we were. Well, we, we were, took the higher rate. We were. Well, we took a fixed over the variable. So right. it, it was. Yeah, it's locked but in. We took so is the commercial fixed. lending different? Okay, we don't know. On residential lending, I'm pretty sure I've it's never like, had to. Th- that's the longest I've ever been pre-approved for a property yeah, before closing. It, was this it. one? Okay, I've next never time we been, talk about the subject, we'll have the answer because we'll look through the. Normally, paperwork. once I'm approved, if someone says, "Yeah, I'll get you a mortgage," I'm like, "Done. I'll go find a property right away." Yeah, <laughs> I don't want yeah, them to yeah. change their mind before I can find yeah. the property, right? But the, I guess so. The point on the new construction stuff is that yeah, you're giving up a little bit of control. You don't really know the market environment that you're walking into when you take possession of the property, right? This is kind of one of the risks that I think about. Mm-hmm. But uh, so there's something else that I just want to kind of uh, talk about here a little bit is that what it, it, I feel not frustrated, but almost a little, um, I don't know, it's sad's not the right word either. But when there's people in Canada who look around and they say, um, Tom, I don't understand what's happening to prices. 
I don't understand what's happening to the prices of food. I don't understand what's happening to the price of real estate. You know, things just keep going up and up. I really believe that everyone needs to understand there is a two money system in Canada that we very rarely talk about. The one money system is the when you and I and we all work for our money. So we do whatever we want to do, um, whether that's a job or a career, you're in sales, you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, or you open your own business and you provide some goods or some service and you make your money that way. And I call that the work system, right? And that's what we all know and talk about and teach our kids about and discuss. And then I think the first person that ever kind of opened my eyes to this other system was Robert Kiyosaki when he starts talking about being an investor, but it was never really clear to me. And then over the years studying the economy, it got pretty clear. There's a second way to make money in Canada that no one discusses because not everybody has access to it. And the way that money is created is that the banking system, the way it works today, the banks don't have to save up money to give Mike DeZormo or Nick Karadza or Tom Karadza a mortgage. They're allowed, when, when you and I go to sign that mortgage and put pen to paper and sign the documents for that mortgage, that money is created out of thin air. Now think about this for a second. The bank gets to profit on the interest they charge us on something they didn't even have. It was just created when we went to get go and get the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're able to make their money. They're creating money out of thin air and profiting from the money. Like it's it's a really interesting system. And then you gotta layer it out. What is what is close to the money creation? Well, one of the closest things to money creation is the banking system itself. So anyone who's working in the financial services sector obviously gets access to invest money like that and profit from it. So they they are winning. Mm-hmm. Then the other people, if you and I want to profit from this second way to, that money is made in the world where it's just created, it's if we buy good income properties, it's our way to access the second money system in Canada because money is just created for us out of thin air. We get to go buy property and we're doing it leveraged. So we get kind of the leveraged benefit Mm-hmm. And if we buy a property with good income and good expenses and manage it and work our asses off it and don't lose our shirt and watch out for crises and, and interest rate hikes and the whole bit, we can we can have some success on that and we can get ahead. But if you're only doing the work system and you don't understand there is a two money system in Canada, you're missing out on this whole other way that money is coming into the system and it's driving prices of real estate. It's driving prices of certain jobs and some incomes are going up and it's driving the prices of some goods and services. But the, the general Canadian, average Canadian doesn't know or discuss this other system. So they just work hard every day and they don't understand why they're not getting ahead. They don't understand why the real estate prices keep going up, but it's because they're not accessing this second way to make money. And I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with it. It's just never discussed. And it bothers me because when Canadians then say, well, I'm not, I don't understand like how I can't get ahead. It's because they're not playing in this other game at all. Mm -hmm. Because one of the only ways the average Canadian can play in this money creation game is really by getting mortgages and doing a smart thing with it, not doing stupid stuff, but buying good income properties and surviving. No, am I missing Mm -hmm. the boat on this stuff? Or uh, I mean, assets in general, it doesn't have to be. Assets in general, we have a bias towards real estate, obviously, but assets in general. Yeah, yeah. There's just, to me, there's just two clear things happening. Because the banks don't have to like, quote unquote, work for their money. And, and think about it. Like when you and I go with a Visa card and we go buy something at the store, Visa doesn't have that money saved up. They don't, they don't like say, okay, Mike, you're going to buy that Rolex. Okay. Do you like Rolexes, Mike? Uh, no, you're not like a I watch don't wear guy. a Rolex. You no, know, I'm not, no. we watch, not a car we, guy. Yeah. I, my, my watch is from my Costco. Yeah. Where, where's well, your, do you, not from Costco. No. <laughs> <laughs> not that lucky, man. <laughs> 
Costco. Yeah, no, it's a good Costco's watch. Costco's actually nice watches. They do. They do. They do. They do. They do. Yeah. I think it was like a TW Steel yeah. watch. I don't yeah, know, yeah. That's a good watch. Bucks, I, that's actually bucks. a good watch. It was 300 yeah. bucks. I don't know. Yeah. I was given to me as a gift. I didn't pay for it. It's a nice I don't know, watch. man. If you pay 10, 15 grand for a watch, it's, it's got to do like it's, it's got to do more than keep time. Yeah. Yeah. But then it also, they don't wind up some of these. They're just on motion. So you have to get one of those things that sits at your bedside table that wind rotates up. a lot. You know, oh, so yeah. The, the, yeah. Why? You on. still buy, there's like no, watches no. that still wind no, up? No, no. But these, some of these expensive watches, they <laughs> don't have, the, you? They don't you have fell, batteries. You fell down the stairs the other week and I was like, I like, talked to you. We no, need to these, get you some, some watches, panic, there's panic no bat- alarm in his there's house no, just in case he hurts himself. No, but I'm saying wind up is actually better because these some of these high-end watches, they don't have batteries. And if you, they just use the motion of your body to keep the kind of keep themselves going, and then when you take it off, you have to put it on one of those things that moves around. Mm-hmm. But then if that thing runs out of battery, do you? But it, it it gives it enough energy overnight or something, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. But just the fact that I have to take it off and put it on some th- other thing that's yeah, moving, no, and I, I paid fifteen thousand dollars for this watch, and it won't even just keep going by itself. Mm-hmm. No, I know a lot of people listening to this are gonna think i'm crazy but i don't know i'm just not into it so um but listen when you go buy your rolex back to the point here when you go buy your rolex with your visa card assuming your visa card can buy a don't rolex, forget your membership card either yeah, you yeah. Need the visa. listen when you go by the when you go go by the rolex and visa you put it on the visa the money is transferred over to the vent the person selling it but that money was created visa didn't have the money saved up there's no mm. magical visa vault yeah that says, I have now saved up this much money. And Mike, when you go to buy your Rolex, I'm going to transfer the money I have in my Visa vault over to the seller of the Rolex and they get paid. And Mike, in exchange for you getting that privilege, you're going to pay me interest on your Visa card. Mm-hmm. Visa doesn't do that as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. Visa just creates the money. Yeah. They're allowed, they're part of the banking system that's allowed to create the money. So they get to profit. And this is my whole point. The closer you are to the second system of money and the money creation mm-hmm. system of money, the better chance you have are, are at succeeding through this next 10 years when there's trillion dollar deficits and maybe $2 trillion deficits and the, and the budgets in the U.S. is going to go from $21 trillion to like $30 trillion. Like what happens to the middle class Canadian when there's this much debt going on in the U.S. and I know it's going to be likely mirrored here in Canada because we're going to just do whatever the U.S. does around interest rates and spending and stimulus and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I think now I know I'm ranting. I ranted the it's, whole thing. It's but, valid. But it, I think w- what's important too is this second way of creating money by buying assets such as real estate. Um, that's often the money that they're making from the real estate is doubling, tripling, annually quadrupling their own income. But it's not like they're having to work twice as hard, three times as hard, four times. The amount of effort when that you, you have to they, put into this. When you say you mean the bank or the, the people, person who us, the pro- oh, us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, got it. Us getting this second... Uh, source this pipeline of money coming in um, it's not like we're having to work twice as hard to make twice as much I I don't want to make it sound like it's so easy like there is work required here and there but uh, you know you you do your nine to five or whatever your shift is and you do the real estate on the side but that that second hobby that real estate is often again like doubling tripling quadrupling somebody's annual income yeah, over time. Uh, oh, over I don't time, yeah. Sorry, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You buy one property and you're right. automatically doubling right. your income. Yeah. But over time, over time, and we've seen it now. We just added up. I don't think we actually mentioned it at the event, but Rockstar members have purchased over a billion dollars in uh, properties mm-hmm. since we started. Think about that: a yeah. billion dollars in properties. If we figured out how much annual rent Rockstar members are collecting mm-hmm. as a whole, yeah, I mean, we must be in the millions a month. Mm-hmm. That's something we got to do. 
But anyway, so, um, yeah. but my, your, your point's valid. Like you buy these properties, you hang on to them and it's, you can really, cause how many members have you worked with or investors? I forget about saying members, but mm -hmm. investors have you worked with now looking back 10 years and it's changed their financial futures. Yeah. I know they bought at a good time. The last 10 years, it's, right. it's, it's tough, but everyone's had to, has their problems with furnaces and sewage backups. It's not like it's something that's easy to do, mm -hmm. but, uh, um, what are some of those uh, investors you're working with doing with some? Are they dipping into some of the equity on these properties and doing different things with it? Or Some dip in to buy more. Um, some dip in to um, help with a major renovation, uh, you know, turn their house into their dream home. Um, vacations, a lot of vacations out there. A lot of little hobby items being purchased. Um, yeah, got it. Yeah. But it, anyway, it feels good that I, they have it. I, it's, I, just to, for those that say I'm, I'm, I'm setting up my children to me, that's what makes me happy because those are the people, the little people that I feel, you know, that are going to have a tough go at this. Yeah. Yeah. Those generation that is born now. Yeah. Yeah. Basically your sure. kids, Mike. Yes. But I'm going <laughs> to do my darndest. Yeah. To yeah, make yeah, sure yeah, that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. I get yeah. It. I get Not it. only my kids, but I, I've said this before, my kids, kids, I want this to be generational wealth now because, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's not getting any easier for them. That's for sure. And when they buy, when they sell the 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 properties, you leave them and blow the money. <laughs> yeah, on a couple no, there'll of be cars something, something in the will. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can't. Yeah. Mike's gonna lock those down in a trust. They only get a little bit of money. Yeah, trust. For but you know sure. what? I'll, listen, this reminds me of Europe. You know how we're talking about who's gonna be able to buy properties here mm -hmm. when um, when Carol's grandfather passed away in Italy. Um, he left some properties to the family. Nobody could buy property in downtown Florence when mm -hmm. he bought properties, like yeah. not, not in the last 20 years, mm -hmm. but he had property in downtown Rome and downtown Florence. Think about that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He bought it when that was still possible. Right. I really think we're, that's happening right now in Toronto in front of our eyes where mm -hmm. Mike, one of your grandchildren might say, wait, you know, it was our grandfather who was able to buy these properties. <laughs> In the, no, yeah. think yeah, about no, it. You're absolutely right. Like I know yeah. this is, it sounds a little bit ridiculous. It does. But if we map out the next 10, 20, 30 yeah. years, mm -hmm. it seems like at a population growth rate like this, mm -hmm. the only thing I think that really changes that is if Canada becomes a destination that relative to the rest of the world doesn't look appealing, which is difficult for me to believe with our healthcare, our education system, our banking system, the safety of our communities, the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> you know, you got all these good things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But and sure. attracting. So if that doesn't change in Canada, I don't understand what would stop relative to the rest of the world. Like who would catch us and beat us in all these different categories. Mm -hmm. I think the demand still comes in. And then on the flip side of it, it looks like we're going to have um, low rates for longer. And here's my question to you guys. The Fed fund rate in the, in the U.S. is 2.25%. What happens at the next recession? Historically, mm -hmm. recessions have needed between like three and five percent interest rate reduction to fight off a recession. They're at two percent. Yeah, but last last time it didn't work either. They went to zero and they had to print money. And so that's how some, they got. That's yeah. how they got the extra. Yeah, they yeah. they were able to go to zero and print. And then they had to print money. And then in and then in places in Europe they went negative. So there's yeah. the answer. So like so now it's like okay. So they went negative. Well, I think it was like half, some places were quarter, some places were half a point. I don't know if I meant much more than that. Maybe a point. I don't know. But they went yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah there still so, are. So yeah, yeah, you're right, and I don't know. Let's let's see where it goes. I'm curious too because I'm but like, what does that I, to do with asset prices? I'm, are these lunatics going to go super negative? <laughs> like, is it, you know, no, yeah, and or I, how much money are they going to print? And then, well, look, if look, 
I don't pretend to know the answers. What does that do to the middle class? Yeah, and I don't pretend to know the answers either. But if you look back, I just look back on history and all of this stuff. The answers are there. Like, you know, it's weird. Like a lot of the things that you hear when you're younger, and you think like, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, history repeats itself, and there's all these lessons. Yeah, there's lessons. They're kind of yeah, they're kind of patterns. They're kind of right. You know, it's (laughs) the reason why everyone says that over and over again. So, so yeah, if you look back on history. What's going to happen to asset prices when when the interest rates are that low and money is that cheap? Often it blows blows up asset prices. I mean it, that's what's happened recently, and the middle class gets, gets screwed. Yeah, totally screwed. Because incomes are nowhere near what asset price. And yeah. I, and look, we were t- we're talking about real estate a lot, but look, you can talk about the stock market the same way. If you look at where the stock market's gone, because all this cheap money is piled into these stocks, and it doesn't matter if the companies are making money or not. Half the companies are losing money, but people just think one day they'll make money, so they're piling money into those things, right? Which is a whole other house of cards that we don't have to talk about. But it's you know that's where the money's going. So if you don't own any of those assets, you're you can't keep up. Like they're harder to buy now than they were. Like everything. I think the biggest thing that we all have to be ready for is during the next crisis. Interest rates could temporarily spike up. And by temporarily, I don't know if that's like three months, six months, a year, 18 months or whatever it could be, because the bond market just says, screw it. We are not. There's no one interested in buying this debt. Like, forget you guys. You're a mess, America. You're a mess, Canada. No one's interested. And I, that drives the rates up because no one's interested. So the rates have to go up. And then in response to that, the governments, I assume must come in and say, okay, we're going to buy our own debt. And they do what's called monetizing the debt. And they just print money to buy the debt. And that's the kind of situation I'm most scared for because, I mean, anyone who owns assets, the asset prices relative to dollar terms is going to go up in value because they're going to print all this money. But what happens to the middle class that doesn't own any assets? Mm -hmm. So you're an investor today and you're going to buy a property. Are you going um, variable or fixed? I, I thought you said where, and I was going to say, I'm going to close my eyes, point on the map, and buy it anywhere I can get it. But uh, so, uh, variable or fixed. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends. If I just had one property, yeah. if you had one property and that was everything, and I was kind of stretching myself to do it, it was my first investment property. I don't have much other liquid cash. Even though variable has been the way to go, you know, uh, there's a York University study that Nick and I had our hands on. Nick, I can't find that study anymore. But anyway, we got our hands on that study that basically said over like a 40-year period, um, uh, variable rates are always better. Mm -hmm. They always work out better, except if you had like uh, gone variable like in the 80s at some point. Um, but, uh, but otherwise it was always better. And Nick and I have always stuck yeah. with variables. It's a, it's a common question. Yeah. I've, I've, all my mortgages are variable. Ver- I just did a renewal with Resmore, uh, this month and, and it was do? prime minus 1.05, 2.65, 1.05. Yes. Yes. I was shocked. Usually they're offering me, you know, a rate and I'm calling around. I didn't even call. Yeah. Got I'm it. like done. Prime Where do minus, I sign? So that was variable prime minus variable, 0.05. Yeah, yeah. 1.05. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, so that's tough to say no to. But yeah. I mean, look, look, if you're stretch, if it's your first property, uh, today's one of the very yeah. few environments I might actually lock in. Yeah, I, and I think it's where are you in life? Are you an yeah, elderly exactly. couple and exactly. this, is, this is your home? Then maybe you want to, you know, play but it safe. But someone like you, if you yeah. have several properties, right? And then you can say, ah, maybe you know what? If I get a variable rate that's prime minus one point oh five, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, and then maybe one of the other ones that I don't have so good, maybe sure. I lock it in because yeah. I don't want full uncertainty. Yeah. 
you know, or at least have those forms ready. You know, those forms the banks give you to lock in rates. It's usually like a one page form where you can send it into the bank that says I'm changing my variable rate to a locked in Mm -hmm. rate. At least have those ready, filled out with signature ready to go to lock in your rates at certain first sign of trouble. I think all ours are variable except I know my my personal home I renewed a it was about a year ago. It was like last November early renewal, and it was like two point four five. I got it down. And I remember I called one of the brokers. On, we on a variable with. or fixed? On a fixed. Home. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Okay, so if that's thrown at you. 2.44. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I was And I called say one of the brokers and he's like, he goes like, look, mortgage rates have already gone up since they mailed that out. They've right. gone up. He goes, if you can get that, jump at it right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Because that's mm-hmm. what I was thinking. I'm yeah. like, that is super low for, it was a five-year fix. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 2.44 actually. So I I got a question for you. If you were buying a property now, Mm -hmm. where would you buy it and what strategy would it be? Like, would it be like a second suite, like duplex? Would it be a student rental? And what city would it be in? What's the best property to buy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the best place to invest? (laughs) Number one. Drum roll, please. Tell us your secrets. That's the number one question everyone gets. There's only one good thing to buy in (laughs) one good area. It's the opportunity, though. It's where's the opportunity? What kind of opportunity is it? Like, personally, I'm okay, in seven I'll, different cities with properties. I know, I know, you're me. everywhere. Right, yeah. All over the top. Okay, Pers- I just want. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. It. Yeah. It's. It's. What's can can that property in that city make you money? Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll frame it differently. Yeah. I want the most cash flow, Mike. I just want yeah. the most cash flow. So, the type of property right now would be in in today's market, buying a single family bungalow, creating a second suite. Okay, because then I can take it and I can generate, You're like we were saying, pretty well doubling the income. So instead of like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hundred, I'm getting like three thousand. Correct. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, Those the more and, you can chop yeah. it up, or you go exactly. through or student you, rentals. Or, or, yeah. By the know, room. I, I met with an yeah. investor yesterday that actually just does boarding houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does yeah, boarding yeah, houses, yeah, so he yeah, rents it out by the room. Yeah. Where, he, where is he doing that? He's uh, one in Toronto and three in actually he Hamilton. works with you, right? Yeah. 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 He works with yeah. Forgot. So he works with Mike. So he and he's like, look. I, I get it because like you, that's how you're running your properties yeah. because there's definitely he's a master at that is he yeah. Yeah. hard to but, get insurance yeah he's got it he's yeah. got it. he's got the board they're like we'll give you like the, the highest level highest of insurance rate. is boarding house insurance he's got that mm-hmm. and he said um, he's like yeah no I know he was like I, I know it's hard to run there's way more work involved when you're renting out like that but he's mm-hmm. like the numbers his cash flow numbers are, are quite high yeah, like like cash flow up. Yeah, he's basically doing his own Airbnb style stuff yeah I think if he doesn't get 2,000 a month cash flow he doesn't look at it yeah, really? so it's something. Yeah. Like, yeah. But so so he okay. knows cash flow, cash not, not income, no, I cash it. flow. I get it. Yeah. So he's doing this on single family homes yeah. or small little buildings, single family homes that he's operating like small little buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Good yeah, for him. but but eyes wide open. He's he's yeah, yeah. doing it. So the, the anytime as long as you, you do can it properly. Get a, yeah, mm-hmm. but anytime you can get a property, the more you can chop it up and rent it. To the more people, typically your numbers are going to be better. Right. There's going to be more work involved. There's going to be more personality conflicts yeah. when you have, yeah. you know, eight people living in a boarding mm-hmm. house or something. But that's that's the way it works anywhere. If you were asking for the strategy for most cash flow, yeah, yeah, yeah. true, right? Yeah. And then that's how we answer it all the time too, Mike. Because someone will ask me that question. I'll say, hey, the, when you alluded to what you said earlier, Mike, was uh, different points of your life. Mm-hmm. Because we've always said cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. But there's different times of your life that you know. One of the properties Nick and I bought is a rental property in Oakville. That the day we bought it, barely broke even. I think it was negative like fifty bucks. But we bought it there because we knew the appreciation in Oakville was just going to be a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when you're first starting out, it's kind of yeah. like about cash flow. But then as you mature and you have a little bit more access to some cash, your decisions change. For sure. You can eat a little bit of negative cash flow and make decisions based on, ah, I want a property there for the future purpose. For the or kids. For the kids or yeah. whatever it is, yeah. you know. So what else do you, so cash flow, what else do you get asked? What city is the best probably is another question. 
It's uh, yeah, cities type of property. Answer. How can I get the highest cash flow? Yeah, how are um, you answering the city question? I'll, I'll tell you how I answer it. Um, we're, we're so fortunate, like where we are from Oakville, go east, north, west, south. You're gonna hit one. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I tell people, hey, look, we got 10 years, man. Do you know yeah, how the population's yeah. growing in here? <laughs> yeah. You go around the Golden Horseshoe, yeah. you find a city you like, and if there's a property available where the numbers make sense, you grab it. Yeah. I don't care if it's in Durham, Barrie, yeah, Hamilton, yeah. St. Yeah. Catharines, Niagara. Yeah. That's kind of the state yeah. we're at, yeah. you know? And, and, and the downside that you have to prepare yourself for is what we were alluding to earlier, a crisis where rates might spike up. So if you mm-hmm. can't survive something like that, lock in your rates now so that you have a five-year window where you know you're guaranteed this interest rate. Right. Because that's your as a real estate investor, that's your biggest risk. And if you go variable, that's your biggest uncontrollable risk. Mm-hmm. You know, something that one of the questions we get asked a lot, uh, people, are, they're like, look, guys, with prices are where they're going. You know, so you were talking about the 1953 bedroom bungalow. They're like, look, if that price goes, a three-bedroom kind of upper unit of yeah. bungalow. But if these prices and rent prices keep going up, I mean, the, the condo prices in Toronto are three, four bucks a square foot, right? So, so who's going to be able to afford these prices? Um, and, and so we did some digging into that, which, which I thought was kind of quite interesting because the, the percentage, it, this is from, um, man, it's like a Kleiner and Perkins 2018 report. It's pretty pretty famous kind of report, pretty popular report. It's been published every year. But they looked at relative household spending between 19, uh, 1972, 1990, and 2017. And the shelter costs from 1972 to 2017 went from 12% to 17% of relative household spending. Pension insurance kind of jumped and healthcare jumped as well, the US numbers. So it went from 12 to 17%. So shelter costs went up, which makes sense that we, you know, we all know that, right? So, so where did the money come from if you were taking 100% of the household income? Well, what was really interesting is food went from 15% down to 12. Entertainment went from 6% to 4 and apparel went, went from 5% to 3 So apparel, maybe it's like Chinese, you know, the Chinese manufacturing has made some of those things cheaper, right? Different different uh, providers, there's Old Navy and stuff, you can get clothes for a little bit cheaper than some other places. But what's interesting is food. People cut back on food from 15 to 12%, and it's not that, it's not that they might be eating less, but it's probably the quality of stuff they're eating, right? So when people are walking around the grocery store now, they might not be buying butter anymore, they might be bu- buying margarine. Mm-hmm. Or Tom, you've talked sometimes about like, hey, yeah, not as many people are buying steaks, it's more ground meat. They're buying the hamburger meat. That's where the, that's where the expenses are coming from. So, so when, you, when you look again, if you go to the past and say, okay, well, what's gonna happen when the, if these prices move? Like, can, 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 can rent prices even go up anymore? Does it make any sense? Well. Again, like if you go back 20 years, 50 years, no one would have thought they were where they are today and incomes haven't kept up. But here's what's happened. The cost to live has gone up and the cost for other things, people have kind of sacrificed some other things like date nights. Maybe it's not once a month anymore. Maybe it's once a quarter or it's not once a week. It's once a month, depending on on who the people are and how much disposable income they are. So they, they earn. So it's uh, yeah, that, that's that's been the big shift. That was eye opening to me. I didn't I didn't really realize that. So again, those were from 1972 to 2017. So what's that? 30, 45 years about that. So shelter just keeps eating in a way, eating or going higher and higher. And, and it y- sounds like a small move from 12 to 17%. But if you think about it, that's 5% on 12. It's almost a 50% move, mm-hmm. right? It's I'm six- actually surprised it's so low at 17%. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know how they did the Yeah, numbers, family but, income. Well, you can see trans- where, where transportation is and taxes and you yeah, know, all got those it, things. Yeah, got it. But yeah, but that's Nick. What you just said is frustrating because whenever we look at prices from, from Stats Canada, when it shares kind of the 
increase in prices in the country of Canada, we have a substitution model in the way they calculate that so they can swap out steaks for hamburgers. They can take out, like if tea is cheaper than coffee, they can take out coffee and stick in tea. Like my understanding, and someone, if you're listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is that we run a substitution model consumer price index like our inflation calculations are are based off a substitution model where they can just say ah we used to use steaks now we're going to use hot dogs it's meat is meat i think you're right i, I think i read that on the stats can website yeah when, when, I, every time I dug it, numbers, when yeah. I, every time i dig it up it seems like that's the way it's, it's operating which kind of is another thing just infuriates me like when someone when the government's saying oh well, prices don't go up meat you know meat's the same price but at one day they were using steak the next day they're using hot dogs it's not the same thing hot dogs are not the same as my steak <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mike, any uh, any other um, trends that you're seeing in any, the biggest one we've seen the last little while has not really changed. Second suite still active. Student rental still active. Yeah. Um, rent to own still active. You're not doing as many rent to own, right? Just by investor choice right now. Yeah, because um, and why is that? Just many of the investors, including myself, left significant money on the table. Um, the invest, obviously, it's funny. So explain why. Just explain. Yeah, we've set the buyout price with the tenant three years in advance. So and we didn't assume the market was going to appreciate at thirty percent a year. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I had two buyouts last year. Um, both were in and around the three fifty, but both both properties were about five hundred. But it's funny, you know, the stigma that we heard about, uh, um, in regards to the rent to own back in the day was, you know, tenants already always get screwed over. We've never heard about the investors the tenants winning. Yeah, 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 yeah. never heard <laughs> the investors leaving money on the yeah, table. Yeah. The tenants winning. You will never yeah, hear yeah, that positive yeah. story. Yeah, it's there's no quiet. no head, no headlines in the paper yeah, about that. Yeah. We should reach out how to the star. Well. We should reach out to the yeah. star and say, hey, here's how this has worked the last yeah. few years. These tenants, some of these stories. families. Yeah, yeah, these tenants walked it. out with an extra hundred and fifty thousand in equity on these properties. Yeah, so just by choice. But you were still profit. Set the record. It was so profitable. You know what? To you. Profitable and happy for these families to get in at yeah. that. That is the cool part. Yeah. Because cool. if they didn't choose that route, would they have been able to qualify for that five hundred thousand dollar property? Now, probably not. They're getting a five hundred thousand dollar property for three hundred fifty thousand. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's cool. I know yeah, you're. It's a win win in the end. Yeah, but yeah, it. for some people, it's so now investors with, think but, property prices will go up like that forever. So rent. <laughs> and unfortunately, or fortunately, for the people who are doing some rent on, because we still see some that are happening with investors mm, we sure. work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, the demand on them looks quite strong. Really strong. Because no one, yeah. less, no less people are doing exactly. them, and it's yeah. harder and harder to qualify for mortgages. Right. So the demand for them is there. Yeah. 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 Um, Correct. What's the yeah. prognosis? Yeah. Your knee. Mm-hmm. What's the? Can you tell everyone <laughs> what you? Just if you're listening to this, you should know that Mike is superhuman. So he's the most coordinated athletic person that we know. Um, and uh, he had to have knee surgery. So we're all. Uh, can you give us the update? Like what happened? What happened uh, with your knee? Torn my ACL three times now. So each time I've had a replacement. Uh, first time was hamstring, uh, then donor. Sorry, tort uh, regular hamstring donor. Yeah, sorry, that's three tears. Uh, complete tears, uh, surgeries, uh, five of them in total now, because the last one that I just had done a month ago was I had too many screws in my knee that they had to take out the screws, drill bigger holes through the bone, insert the bone with donor bone, which now has to heal for six months. So donor bone, it's not your bone from your like hip or something? No, I guess that was an option, but they if they can, they choose not to do a uh, uh, donor bone. It has one of uh, the, uh, it doesn't have a rejection. Um, huh. There's other stuff in the human body that rejects. So donor bones yeah. from someone else, someone else's uh, body. Yep. Yep. 
nice thing after you're done and get out of the hospital, they give you a little card saying, hey, if you want to anonymously thank that family that... No way. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you write a nice card to them and... Did the yeah. last injury come from, from too much competitiveness at, uh, at the gym <laughs> when you were there? Is that what happened between you and Tom? It came uh, from something that I knew I probably shouldn't have done, and it's my fault, yeah. Oh um, boy. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, the next surgery is in six months after the bone uh, fuses together, and that will be a patellograph. So they'll take bone and ligament out of my own body now and then drill and screw that into my femur and tibia to keep uh, the knee together. When are we flying to Panama? Stem cell injections. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, that's yeah, definitely on the list. I just yeah. want to go. Yeah. yeah, I just want to. I know there's U.S. doctors there. I hear yeah. it on Joe Rogan's podcast yeah. all the time. There's those U.S. doctors down there that are doing stem cell stuff. Yeah. Um. Let's just go down and get some inject. Can we just go down and say, "Hey, just inject, <laughs> just inject me everywhere." <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, I yeah. just want someone else I know I, directly to be the guinea pig, so I can see the no, results. No, apparently a lot of people are going down. I some know. UFC fighters have been yeah. going down. I know. Not some. I say a lot. we fly yeah. down. Yeah. And then we just get a bunch of injections. Yeah. This isn't like getting a facelift kind of thing. Yeah. This is amazing. This is just for your joints yeah. and stuff. There's definitely elite athletes that have access to stuff that uh, we don't have access to. No, but to, we do. Right? We can just fly that's to true. Panama. That's true. Yeah, we just got to pay for it. Look at Tony Ferguson, tore his ACL, and yeah, is fighting like in the cage five months in later. five months. With no I think we got to do the stem yeah. cell stuff before <laughs> word gets out and gets too expensive. Like, I bet now in Panama, we can just go down. Yeah. And probably we can get like the the jumbo package for like 5,000 bucks where it's just like stab me everywhere with this stuff. <laughs> well, if the government can start taxing it, they'll legalize that soon too. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. All the other yeah. stuff. Yeah. Today, uh, marijuana is legal, yeah. right? It's today. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, holy smokes. Well, gambling, yeah. remember gambling years back? You yeah, could only gamble right. in Vegas and all the mm -hmm. other, all the governments were like, why can you only gamble in Vegas? I want the tax revenue too. So why don't we legalize it here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you can gamble almost, Everywhere in North America now, yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's a true. lot of places. It used to be Las Vegas and Atlantic City. So yeah, they'll figure out how to tax that at a good rate, and then when they need the tax revenue, they'll legalize something else <sighs> up here for it. Uh, yeah, when everyone figure, figures out this whole debt stuff, and yeah. you know, if anyone figures out this whole how they're going to get through not building on ten, tens of trillions of dollars of debt over the next decade, you got to let me know. But, uh, we should have a conversation. We should go smoke a joint and have a conversation about it. Yeah, a whole yeah. other perspective <laughs> on it. But uh, okay, we'll wrap it up. Good. Yeah, I just good. want to wrap this up with saying, hey, look, man, don't don't shit on Costco. The watches are pretty good. <laughs> the watches are pretty good, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradzis. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, listen, you know, we don't have all the answers on what's going to happen in the, in the economy. We don't have all the answers on where debt's going to go. We don't have all the answers where interest rates are going to go. But there's one thing that we believe is that if you own, if you're able to own good assets and not just have one source of income in your life, you should be able to ride out the next few years and decades um, really, really well. And I mean, obviously we can never guarantee something like that. This is just our belief. And obviously we do have a bias. We run a real estate brokerage called Rockstar Real Estate here in Oakville. Um, but this is something that we truly believe. If you could get good properties and hold on to them for dear life by managing them well, um, tracking interest rates really well, putting good tenants into, into them and things like that. And it's not an easy path by any means, but it can be a very financially successful path if you're able to get into it. So um, that's just kind of the way we think and way we believe. And um, when you hear us kind of rant back and forth about some of these things, know that we do believe there is a way for all of us to get through it. And a lot of it just comes with increasing your own knowledge. So, you know, we don't want you to take anything we say um, at face value. You can download your uh, any books you want on the internet about anything. You can go to the library and check out anything that you want. 
You can get free copies of our book at any of any of our sites. Just educate yourself and learn as much as you can. And don't let us talking about this t- kind of stuff freak you out in any way. There's more than enough opportunity in this world for all of us. Um, we just really believe that knowledge is, is really the most important thing we can all kind of stuff into our brains. So with that, hopefully you're enjoying the show. Until next time, your life, your terms.